Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Browns Wire Podcast. This is your host, Josh Keatley. With me, as always, Adam Moore. And I also have agent Austin Fenninger. He had to teach me how to pronounce his last name before the show. But so we're excited to have you on, dude. I, I guess my first question is, what got you into this? We know you played football played football at Miami. You know, what, what made you want to become an agent? Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys having me on. And it was something that I, you know, had an interest in when I was younger. You know, I watched Jerry Maguire as a kid and, you know, thought it was kind of cool. Uh, I'd see guys like Drew Rosenhaus on TV kind of frequently. And so I guess maybe the seed was planted in my head. But, you know, I never really considered pursuing that until later on in college. Um, you know, when I got to school, I kind of planned on either being a lawyer or working in something in politics or government. Uh, I thought maybe wanting to be a lobbyist something in D.C. So that's kind of the route that I was on probably around my junior year is when I really started to decide, you know, do I want to fully give up, uh, you know, working and being around athletics? You know, I knew I was never um, going to be able to pursue football outside of college. And um, so I, you know, walked on to Miami, ended up lettering there, got on the field a little bit. So that was my favorite team growing up. And I, you know, I wanted to pick a school um, where I could use football to ed- further my education and know that I'd be going to a place that I'd like socially and academically as well. Um, so, you know, back to that point of, you know, not wanting to fully give up athletics, trying to find a way where I can combine, you know, law or some type of legal interest with sports since I was involved with it since I was seven years old and kind of came, kept coming back to, you know, the agent discussion, being at a big school like Miami, you know, had a lot of connections there, played at a really big high school in Indianapolis, Carmel High School, um, you know, anywhere from, you know, usually five to eight D1 guys a year, kind of in that range. So, you know, even if some of those guys weren't good enough to go pro, they were at least able to help tie me in, you know, with some of their teammates. Um, so I had the connections, um, had the kind of varying interest with sports and, uh, you know, the legal side. And then as far as starting my own agency, and my dad was an entrepreneur, uh, had a couple of successful companies. So I knew I had, you know, a great business mind that I could learn from also and kind of teach me some of the back end ropes on just starting my own business. And, uh, you know, I've always bet on myself. I, you know, never doubted what I could accomplish. And, you know, I, I sleep easy at night knowing I'm doing things the right way. And, you know, even if it takes longer to be successful, that's something I'm willing to, to wait on if I, you know, able to have my own brand, do things how I want to do it, call the shots and all that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Cool. You and you mentioned that you went to you went to Carmel and Indiana. What what why did you just decide to go to Miami? You said it was your favorite team growing up. I mean, was there any other reason? I mean, that's kind of far away from home. Yeah, I mean that, that is the main reason. So um I started really paying attention like college football is two thousand one. So I was first grade, like seven years old and 
that's when the U is the, the greatest team of all time, the, the 2000 <laughs> <Kings>. and <laughs> So I kind of just jumped on the bandwagon. I mean, I liked the colors. I loved how they played. I'd seen the palm trees and the end zone at the Orange Bowl. Like, you know, it was just cool. And um, they, they kind of grabbed my attention at that age. And, you know, ever since then, I guess I got spoiled, um, you know, first couple of years. They were great when I became a fan. And it's been um, kind of tough sledding the last 15 years or so. But uh, my okay. room back home in, in Indies painted green and orange. And um, that was just something I always wanted to pursue. And, you know, my both my parents went to Indiana University and kind of wanted me to go there. And, you know, most of my buddies from high school went there. And, you know, I had opportunities at a couple of FCS schools and other walk-on opportunities and some D2 scholarships also. And, um, I just, I knew what I wanted to do from a long time and, uh, just wanted, uh, wanted the full kind of college experience as well as socially and academically also. And, um, being in that type of big, bigger research environment and even Miami is not a huge school. Um, and combined undergrad and grad, it's, I think around 16 or 18,000. So you still pretty small class sizes, but it's a major research, uh, institution. So there are a lot of opportunities and, different uh, academic paths you can pursue so that was attractive to me as well so so austin i don't know if you know this about josh and i or not but we're both ohio state alum i mean yeah. is this call over right now <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so my, my i guess my first question to you then is was it pass interference on chris gamble in the end zone we actually he i think you actually did know that because the last time we talked was about the the chase young thing that mm, yeah. came out we, we were kind of going back and forth a little bit about how if it was an agent or whatever and i guess that kind of leads me to my does that does that ring a bell yeah 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 i guess that leads me to my next question i know that you know you pride it sounds like you pride yourself on doing things the right way right i, I yeah. you know i follow you pretty actively on twitter and social media uh -huh. i i understand that you know you playing football probably does give you leg up and makes you see things the right way right. Um, how do you how do you get around that i mean there are some i mean there are some pretty shady things going on with a lot of these young guys coming out of college. How do you deal with that? It's tough, man. It's uh, it, it is a really hard industry to be in if you're trying to do it ethically. Um, you know, I would have a lot more success right now if I went to a number of handful of other agencies and kind of operated how, how they were. Um, you know, I'm not going to say any agency's names or agents names, but um, you, you know, you definitely hear stories and players talk and agents talk and stuff gets leaked out, but, you know, some guys are getting paid while they're in school. I know guys personally who, you know, had that or went through that. Um, and then, you know, just a lot of false promises were made also. And, um, you know, just without following through on that. So it's tough. Um, again, like I said before, you know, I'd rather take the slower track. And, you know, I care about being, you know, on top more in my 30s and 40s than, you know, killing it in my 20s. That's just rather take the slow approach. Um, and again, just trying to find those guys. There are, there are enough players out there that are, you know, searching for an agent for the right reasons, not wanting to have a bag dropped or, you know, anything else. It, it's tough to avoid, but, um, you know, I think it makes it that much sweeter when you do hit on a guy because, you know, you're not just buying a relationship. It, it's authentic. And, there, there's a reason why so many players are leaving their agents, um, you know, once they become veterans. You know, I don't know the exact stab. I've heard it was like 50% of players. I don't know if that's completely accurate. But, um, you know, I think if you really sign a guy for the right reasons and you build that personal connection that 
they're more likely to stay with you throughout their career and, you know, be more open to referring you to teammates or other guys that they know. Um, so like I said, again, it's really tough industry just with the numbers, there's over 800 agents and any given week, you know, 53 active times 32 teams. That's over, that's about 1600 players. So about two players per agent. And, you know, I, I think 25% of the agents or agencies, you know, have 75% of the players or something in that range. So uh, it's kind of slim tokens out there. It's tough. Um, but again, I love what I'm doing. And, um, you know, it just, it wouldn't feel right just getting guys if I was paying for them and, and all that is, you know, what's the, what's the point in that aspect? Can I ask, what do you think a percentage of that is? I mean, cause I think there's a common misconception that a lot of people think that schools are kind yeah. of, you know, are boosters, but that's, I think that's kind of like a, a more of a 1980s, 1970s way of thinking. I think you yeah. more commonly see agents getting up in people's DMs and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't like I said, I know I don't want you to bash anybody and cut mm-hmm. me off if you can't talk about it, but what right. do you think their realistic percentage is? So I do know, and I've heard stories of boosters at other schools and, you know, some of my teammates who had visited other schools in high school, like, you know, coming out of high school and were told about, you know, money opportunities they had. And, you know, I don't need to throw the schools. I mean, it's not too hard to guess, I think, for most people. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that does still happen. I don't think it's – I don't know how rampant that would be. Uh, you know, as far as agents go, you know, I've heard of – quarter million to half a million dollars being dropped on players and i think the new the new thing now is you know they're trying to frame it as a loan or a signing bonus or a marketing advance and it's all inducements it's just they're trying to find that that gray area or loophole where you know technically it's somewhat allowable or you know they'll offer it after they the player is done but you know those discussions are going on while he's still a player and it's illegal um, now, you know, I have heard of some kind of being on the payroll while they're in school, but I think that's probably less frequently than just promises of, you know, X amount of dollars after you sign uh, and once their career is done. So if they start paying, if, if paying players starts to become the new norm, now I know they're not talking about schools paying these guys, they're more or less right. talking about guys going out and, you know, being in commercials or right, autograph right. signs or whatever. Would that make it easier for you or harder for you or does that affect you at all? Uh, I mean, I got a couple thoughts on that and, you know, I don't know the perfect solution. I mean, there's this, it's very complicated on how to, to implement things. And, um, that's, a, that's above me, but, um, oh, yeah. I don't think that many players would see much money in that. I mean, you're going to have your, your Tua's or, you know, Johnny Manziel's or, you know, the big household names, of course, they, they'd be set, you know, to see a lot of money. You know, being in Miami, there you don't see many Dolphin players on local advertisements here and there, but not. It's still pretty infrequent. So I think football players, generally speaking, are less marketable than baseball or basketball because there's more of them. You got, you don't have the facial recognition as much. Um, two, there's not quite as much of a return on investment for companies, and that's you know any Dolphins player is going to be bigger than anyone at the U uh, unless we end up having like a Heisman Trophy caliber guy. Um, that's just, you know, factually speaking, I think, you know, people start to say, oh, Miami and UCLA, USC are going to be able to close the gap because they're in the, the large markets. I think the complete opposite will happen with that. Going back to what I said about not seeing many Dolphins players, um, you know, on advertisements or endorsements down here, there's just too much else going on in the market um, versus, you know, a lot of the SEC schools and just, 
you know, big college town type schools are, you know, the ones that have been paying players under the table, having the boosters, if they have a legal avenue to then market it as, you know, an endorsement, I think that's just going to even um, make the problem or, um, you know, the money under the table is going to now become legal and it's just going to be more of it because they're not going to hide it at that point. Um, you know, I do like the idea of players being able to make something off their likeness because the schools make so much. The NCAA, the just the cash is insane. The coaches, and I, again, I don't know the stat, but I think it's something like forty-five of forty-six of the states um, in the country. The the highest-paid employee is either a basketball or football coach. So there is plenty of money to go around. I, you know, I'm not sure the right way to you know does every single player just have a a set amount in a pool. Uh, you know, how are other sports affected, the non-revenue generating sports? You know, I don't have the answers for those. I think um, if it were to be a free-for-all, that's where more corruption could come in. And, um, you know, I, I don't agree with that. I think there should be some type of cap or some type of pool because, you know, if your quarterback's making a million dollars and your, you know, left tackle's not making anything, is you know, is he going to get jealous and let a guy go through the line or what's going to happen with that if you have an income disparity on your team? Um, but again, I would like to see something happen, even if it's just local autographs or local commercials and then the whole team can split a profit. But I would like it to be regulated. Um, maybe everything has to go through the school officially instead of contracting with a player. Now, you know, as an agent, of course, that's a whole other untapped market. I would love to you know, be able to help college athletes, you know, procure endorsements because that would help my business. But again, I definitely see how corruption can can get into that and would at least want some safeguards in place or some type regulation. So it's just not uh, like a Wild West type deal. So and you kind of talked about guiding players and helping them out. Is that something you that you offer as well? Like do you offer fight? Do you have someone there that can help them financially and help them kind of mm-hmm you know, get away from maybe, you know, the, the old, I, I, let's, let's use Zachary Evans, the running, the big five-star running back as an example. Everybody keeps talking about mm-hmm. how the cr- crowd he runs with in high school is bad. I mean, you see that a lot with college athletes as well. Is that something you yeah. offer? Do you, I mean, what sets you apart, I guess, from other agents? Yeah. So, you know, an interesting thing we have, I mentioned my dad earlier being an entrepreneur. So he's a former clinical psychologist. He serves as our president now. Um, you know, he got out of uh, clinical psychology, worked in the VA for a long time with you know, vet- Vietnam veterans mostly. Um, and he started the country's first online testing company, which focused on pre-employment personality testing, got a bunch of Fortune 500 and U.S. government contracts. So, uh, for example, all the TSA workers at the airport, uh, you know, anyone who wants to work in the Department of Justice or Department of Homeland Security has to take his test to see if they're psychologically fit for those jobs. So he helps uh, with our interview process, you know, making sure that, you know, you're saying the right things in your interviews, owning up to things you've done in your past, but, you know, trying to shed a good light on it. Um, it helps with our Wonderlick testing as well. And again, he's a testing expert. I don't think you could find someone in the country who could do a better job, you know, at those two. So that's a, kind of a back end service that we offer. That's just, you know, there's nothing additional on that. It's just part of the commission. Uh, you stand to make as much money off the field um, or for your, you know, off field performance and testing as you do your, your on field testing, like the 40. Uh, so that's something that's, you know, a huge, I, I think a huge deal for us. And I, you know, I hope more guys start to appreciate that going forward. And he won an Ernst and Young Entrepreneur of the Year award. So he's, you know, well-versed in business and, you know, we're fully capable of reading any business plans that players may come across or, 
want to invest in or, you know, any type of ventures that they'd like to get in, you know, as far as handling money, we don't do that. I think there has to be a clear separation on, you know, who your agent is and who your financial advisor is and, you know, who has control of your money. Uh, again, I have, you know, a handful of connections on that side. And if there's someone that a player has in mind, you know, we would definitely do our due diligence and at least try to vet them as much as possible and advise them, Hey, this, guy may seem a little shady or his credentials aren't great or hey he checks out you know had a good conversation um but i think it's important to have a you know level of checks and balances on that front now you know some players are just going to do what they want to do you see you know antonio brown um <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's you know a sad situation and uh, you know drew rosenhouse has repped the you know the, the who's who's of football and you know i i Sure, he did everything he could. Um, and again, I, I think at the end of the day, when some of these guys are full-grown adults like AB, you know, there's only so much you can do. They either want to help themselves and listen or they're just going to, you know, keep getting themselves in trouble. But uh, so there's situations like that where, you know, you can only offer so much or try to do so much. But, you know, the onus at the end of the day lies on the player to, to you know, want to help themselves and take advantage of of, uh, you know, the expertise, because that's why, you know, we're paid to to do that, to advise them. Yeah. So you got like six or seven guys signed right now. Are you starting to work on your 2020 class now or when, how does that all work for you? Or what's well, the timeline? So 2020. Yeah. So this coming draft, um, I'm actually about to sign another guy in uh, the next two days. But um, that'll be the last one for this class. So I took a smaller class this year, but yeah, I'm well on to 2021 draft. So next year's. She had a handful of calls this week, just got off one before we started talking. But so, yeah, trying to get an early jump, build those relationships now. Um, yeah, it's a relationship based business. So just trying to get to know the guys, you know, try to maybe uh, filter some out, kind of sift through and see, hey, is this guy a right uh, personality match for me? My right match for him? And I think this year really focusing on kind of getting that out of the way early, early on and seeing you know, having a good amount of guys going into the fall that I, you know, feel good about and, you know, things will narrow, narrow down from there. But I watch film all the time. I think that's one of the biggest advantages that I have is, you know, playing at a high level, you know, having so many teammates at every single position go pro that, you know, I know what that mold looks like, even if you know, I play receiver, but I can tell you all about, you know, what to look for in a defensive end or left tackle, just because I've been in all those meetings and um, seeing what they look like up close in person every single day. So, you know, I'm watching probably 20 games a week. I'll record a bunch of games. I'll find ones on YouTube that are posted um, just for the guys that I'm recruiting. And I try to know a guy's game, you know, as well or better than, you know, the teams that are scouting them. And I think a big part of my job is I treat, treat it like I am a scout because I, you know, I don't want to take shots on guys I don't believe in. And again, I just want to be able to speak X's and O's and where most people aren't able to do that in this industry. Yeah, we. I, looking at your roster, there's a few names that, that certainly Josh and I recognize being Ohio State fans. Uh-huh. Uh, certainly we've seen some of the guys you have from Purdue. DJ Knox was one of them. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, is there a certain area of the country? Or there certain, is there like some schools that you have that you're targeted? Or, or how do you go about, uh, you know, kind of narrowing this this large field of players down? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I still live in Miami full-time. I go back and forth between uh, – Hey, don't Indiana brag. And- don't brag. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it is probably the most saturated South market, South Florida, just in general. Um, so it, it's definitely tough to break in at UM and some of those other schools, even though I have, you know, personal connections only go so far, you know, in this industry. And, you know, a lot of guys value experience. And, you know, I, I don't have years, many years of experience, but I think the experience I do have, you know, I signed in this past 
like eight months, four CFL contracts, four NFL contracts, and an XFL contract. Um, so I've gotten all of my guys multiple opportunities. Uh, so I've done, you know, what I what I can on my end. Um, but for the most part, I'd say the Midwest is my biggest uh, area. Just there's so many more schools within, you know, a four hour drive from Indianapolis. So I'll go up to my parents' place for you know weeks at a time and do day trips all throughout to meet guys up there and um, a little bit more relatable for me just because I'm from the area and kind of have more, more in common, I guess, with more of those guys. But so I'd say that's probably my niche right now. And, you know, Purdue, I had a couple buddies who played there, Miami, Ohio, um, Indiana connections there. Um, then a handful of other schools throughout also, but, you know, with the big 10 Mac Missouri Valley conference, there's a lot of good football up there and a lot of talented athletes. So you talked about the XFL, CFL. So you're watching not just the NFL, but you're watching, you know, the Calgary Stampeders. You're you're. I mean, you got Javante Dean. He's with the Seattle Dragons, right? So he was. He, he actually showed up. He's he was a first round pick with them for. So they they drafted by position. He was their their first DB. Showed up and had a torn labrum. They want to clear him actually. So uh, had to get that fixed. Yeah, it was a bummer. So had to get that fixed in uh, December. Yeah, because he had spent some time with uh, the Browns and Steelers. Yep, he was up in uh, Saskatchewan. So we're about to actually sign with Winnipeg uh, for this coming season, and then you know, I'm pretty confident he'll be back in the NFL after you know a full season up north. So. You know, he only had about eight weeks uh, up in Canada this past year, you know, after uh, getting cut by the Steelers at the end, you know, preseason. And um, so we were hoping that he was going to dominate the XFL and go right to the NFL, but wasn't in the cards for this year just because of that injury. So, you know, he'll play. That's, uh, play that's actually North. someone – I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, go ahead. I'll just say play at North this summer and, you know, throughout the fall and then November next year he should be signed with an NFL team again. That's all. Can I can I ask you about his process specifically? Because I we obviously we cover the Browns, right? So and Javante mm-hmm. Dean had a very good training camp. The Browns had him when he was the, the Steelers. He didn't even get picked up as a free agent. They picked him up off of waivers. Right. So, I mean, they obviously they valued him. So I that was a journey I was kind of following a little bit. And it was like it was almost it was it was like the next day. How how is that? I mean that so, seems like an emotional roller coaster at some point. Yeah. Yeah, so I actually got a lot to say about him, and he's a guy I really like to to bring up to you know other players, and you know some some parents will say, oh well, you haven't had an early round draft pick or you know anything like that, and um, you know one I've only been at it for a few years, but uh, you know I think it's not I don't think it's hard to represent a, a surefire first, second, third round draft pick, what have you. I mean, I, there's there's different things that different agents can offer, you know, such as what I brought up earlier with our, you know, off field and, you know, interviewing and all that. But, you know, most of those guys are pretty solidified, you know, how they do at the senior bowl or trying game and how they test at their pro days, you know, or combine is going to be the biggest determinant on where they go and their film. The agent, I think gets too much credit when things go well and sometimes uh, too much blame when things don't. Anyways, Javante, uh, now, he never started a game at Miami, so he was a JUCO kid. Um, only had one off season at Miami, and then yeah, played two seasons here. Never started a game. Was a rotational guy. Led the team in interceptions as a senior, and yeah, tested well pro day. You know, I saw the raw talent. He's you know been measured between six one and six two at different times. Really long arms. He's got as low as a four three on his forty. Um, you know, consistent four four guy, but long, raw athlete. So I knew he had a promise. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that the Browns were going to be a good spot for him, just because they, you know, were 
pretty thin at the position. There was a couple, you know, Glenn Cook, um, Alonzo Highsmith. They had a handful of other Miami guys on the roster. So I knew he would get a fair shot with them. That's what I was most concerned about was, you know, him not just being a – because he was a tryout guy, not even a, you know, priority free agent or draft pick. So I knew, hey, this is probably our only shot. You know, I got to have him go through rookie mini camp, you know, where he's going to get the best look possible in the most legitimate shot. Cause a lot of guys just come in as, you know, camp bodies basically. Yep. And he dominated that process, uh, outplayed Greedy Williams that whole time, had multiple interceptions and pass breakups. And, uh, yeah, it was their, their, one of their VPs who called to say, you know, they're going to offer a contract and Hey, he's the best rookie here. And, um, throughout the rookie mini camp portion, at least didn't held his own. I mean, it was, uh, didn't quite keep up that momentum through the summer, but still was making plays here and there. You know, I was a little disappointed in the preseason because he wasn't getting as many reps. And, you know, I was at two of the games and started putting him putting him in at the end. And I think he could, could have contributed more on special teams and some of their corners kept getting burned, but kept getting opportunities, some of the lower guys on the depth chart. So that was kind of a bummer. But, yeah, after the third game, they let him go. And uh, Pittsburgh signed him. Um, actually, even before that. So I picked him up at the airport, man, and – uh, pretty emotional, emotional time. Um, you know, both kind of trying to hold back tears and had a long, long drive home. I picked him up and took him to his mom's place in Homestead, which is, you know, south of Miami and sitting in traffic, had a long time to talk, probably, you know, our longest conversation we've ever had. And, um, you know, I think that got us closer together and, um, you know, wasn't sure what the next move was going to be. And then, you know, that next morning Pittsburgh called and, uh, they wanted to fly him in, and, you know, he had one walkthrough practice. Uh, they got on the team playing to Carolina that same day, and then uh, the next day with the game, he played the whole second half and had a couple pass breakups, handful of tackles, didn't give up a catch. So uh, played great in that. You know, I, was, I wish they uh, would have kept him on practice squad. I think he would have been great there, especially in their system, but uh, got some good film. Then, you know, all the Canadian teams loved him after that. And, you know, he could play as long as he wants to up there. And, you know, every single team wants him in Canada. So, you know, he'll always have a fallback up there just with his size and speed and, you know, the larger field and emphasis on passing that, you know, that's a great fit for him personally. But I think, you know, just more reps he gets, he's going to really find his true potential. And I think he'll end up being an NFL player and sticking in the next year or two. That's – I'm amazed that you have to know – everything about pretty much every alternative football league out there. I mean, the CFL, the XFL, you talked about it all. And with the Browns, you kind of talked about how you thought the Browns would be a good fit for Javante because of the depth chart and how terrible it basically mm-hmm. was. Yeah. Do you have to do that? Do you have to have that knowledge in the CFL? Cause it's kind of like the wild, wild west up there, right? I mean, there's not yeah. really a waiver wire. Right. And they definitely have a lot of weird rules and, you know, I like watching CFL games too. I think it's fun. Um, it's more passing being a former receiver, you know, larger field. Um, you know, I won't watch games consistently, but, you know, I'll catch them here and there up there. Um, you know, I'll, I'll monitor the depth charts, you know, from time to time, much more so with I feel like we're getting close to sending a guy up there. Then that's when I'll really ramp up, you know, the CFL discussions and research and finding, OK, here's a good fit. You know, the fortunate thing up there is there's only nine teams right now, so it's not uh, – a whole lot to keep track of compared to, um, you know, in the NFL, but yeah, definitely something I at least try to monitor from time to time. It's not quite as frequent, but you know, it's great that there's another outlet for guys like him who are kind of on the border, have potential long-term. You see a guy like Trey Roberson, who, you know, being an Indiana guy, we played against him in high school and 
uh, did well at IU and then Illinois State when he transferred and, you know, moved positions from quarterback to corner with the Vikings briefly and ended up dominating up there for two years uh, with Calgary. And now he just got signed to the Bears. So, you know, guys sign back down every year. And, you know, I think it's a good feeder system and uh, glad, glad it is an outlet for, for some of those guys. So Josh went on like a 10-minute tangent on Trey Roberson last week, and I, I called him out for being like one of the 50 people on the planet that knew that much about Trey Roberson. And now I've got, I'm looking at two of them. So yeah, oh yeah, I feel, I, yeah. He was that, a that actually sophomore, so uh, <laughs> yeah, man, he's electric in high school. Yeah, it was, it was uh, Mr. Indiana in football, right? It's like a senior yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Had like dude. over 20 rushing in passing so like, oh, I think he had almost 50 TDs total senior year and over 4,000 yards I mean it was just incredible when he went to IU it was a big deal he was like a three yeah, four star recruit it was a big started. deal they, they kept uh, I mean he broke his leg one year and they kept kind of going back and forth I think it was with uh kind of might have been Sudfeld who yeah I mean yeah. ended up working out with him too but uh yeah, I love Roberson and um I just hated the, the whole two QB system they were using so I don't blame him and for you know, wanting to get out of that and had a lot of success at Illinois State. But, yeah, great athlete. Made that transition to corner and um, was all league up in uh, Canada. You know, after a year, so I think he's might be able to stick in the NFL now. So that actually does bring me to my next question because, like you said, it's pretty easy to represent a guy like Nick Bosa or Kyler Murray, right? Because those guys, those, yes, they no they, they write their own story, they write their own narrative. Correct. But I mean, it, some of these guys, do you? How was that conversation when you have to sit down and tell somebody, hey, man, you're not going to get drafted. This is the best yeah. method for you. This is what's going to happen. I mean, right. I mean, because I, I imagine that a lot of these guys probably, even though they have no shot at getting drafted, they still think that they mm-hmm. are. I mean, because that makes it because I was like that when I when I played college. Ball. I mean, I, <laughs> up until the very end, I thought, oh, there's a shot and there was never a shot. Right. You know I mean? How does how that conversation go down? I mean, does that a way you build trust in a, in, in a yeah. way? It's tough, and you know now I, I try to kind of set that standard very early on, like when I'm when I'm recruiting a guy and tell him, hey man, I'm a lot of agents are going to tell you what you want to hear. Some players are just going to want to hear that. You know, I'm not going to BS you, and you know I'll be honest with 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 what I think your skill set is and get honest scout feedback. And because at the end of the day, if you you know hype someone up or sell them a pipe dream and it ends up not happening, if you say, hey yeah, you're going to go third, fourth round, fifth round, and you know, they're a free agent and they're mad at the agent and, you know, they may not want to stick with you. So I don't think that does anybody any good. I don't want to sign a guy just to sign them. You know, I want to sign a guy to keep them. So, you know, I missed out on guys because I was honest with, with their draft grades and they thought differently and I end up being right. And, you know, a lot of them will end up just signing with the agent that tells them, Hey, you're signing with me. You're going to go X round. And, you know, that's just not how the industry works. So it's definitely tough, but, you know, I don't want to ever put a guy down. I mean, there's obviously a way to, to phrase it and say it. Um, but again, there's only what I think 256 draft picks or, you know, whatever the number is. And it's a small amount. And, you know, most of the league or a good amount of the league were undrafted or sixth, seventh round picks. So, um, you know, those guys can stick. It's just, you know, letting them down lightly, but, you know, reiterating you still believe in them and you want to be, you know, pursuing them or representing them if you didn't think they had a legitimate shot and that you would do everything in your power to make that happen because, you know, we don't get paid till they get paid. And um, so I, you know, incentivize to do as much as I can, you know, create as many opportunities for the player as possible. 
So, so the XFL is, I mean, a lot, a lot of people are kind of laughing at it, right? Because it lasted one season 10 years ago, but this, yeah. that's not a laughing matter to you. This is like a source of income. This, this is another way for some of these guys with raw ability. Like you talked about, like Javante Dean being at a Juco, not having yeah. a whole lot of space. This is another opportunity for guys like that to really kind of grow in their position. This is a big deal for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So some mixed thoughts on them, obviously the, the more leagues that, you know, can pop up and actually pay a good wage. It's a win all around for the players and the agents. Uh, another feeder type system, and I hope it works out. If there ever were, you know, going to be a spring league to work out, you know, where you're making a living wage, it would be right now. I think just because they've been through it. Vince McMahon is, you know, the owner versus the the Alliance League having a you know a handful of owners and then conflicting, uh, you know, levels of equity and opinions and all that. So. And plus with the WWE and the media deals and rights and, you know, he can pump as much money as he wants to keep doing. So I think it'll at least at the minimum, it'll get through a full season. Now, if they depends if people tune in and if they make anything or see promise, but hopefully it works out. I don't agree with how some of their scouting systems have been. And, you know, I think they've, I want to say probably 90, 95% of the guys in there have some type of NFL experience and, um, you know, I think there's some guys who are good enough to play there versus some of the players they brought in who are, you know, 29, 30, 31, had some, a cup of tea in the NFL or just some workouts, but uh, not much else. And, you know, some of the younger guys can do a better job. So, you know, I get, I think they're trying to have some more name recognition for their first year. It's understandable, but uh, I think some of those guys have no shot, of, you know, ever getting back in the NFL versus, you know, some of the younger guys, like DJ Knox, for example, uh, hadn't they want to give him any opportunity at all? You know, one of the best running backs in the Big Ten last year didn't test great at his pro day, but there's plenty of clips of him, you know, breaking 40, 50 yard runs. Ohio State, like we mentioned, how was that? that game? <laughs> <laughs> um, he's good enough to play in the NFL, but uh, obviously it's a numbers game. He's definitely good enough to start and dominate in the XFL. And, you know, they have some running backs that are 29, 30, 31 that are – Christine Michael, for one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I want to name names, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> their careers on the, you know, dwindling. And so that that part kind of irks me. And, you know, the, the scouting is from the league itself, not the teams. So, you know, I've had teams that have shown interest in him and some other guys, but – the league scouting system didn't want to bring them in. So the teams were handcuffed with, you know, they have their pool of players they can choose from. They can't go and, you know, make their own decisions outside of that. So that's pretty, that's the unfortunate part. But again, I'm rooting for them. Uh, I hope it works out because again, it's great for the players, guys like Javante who are kind of on the bubble, just need some more time, more film, um, can still make a wage and, you know, support their family that way. So hopefully it works out. And, you know, it's great to be able to, you know, then have them in Canada and um, hopefully have, you know, some of those discussions back and forth or negotiations and, you know, create a, bit of, a little bit of leverage at that point. Now, and I saw you at the uh, the College Gridiron Showcase down in Texas, right? That was, weren't you down there? Yeah. So yeah. at that point, I guess I just assumed that you already had your clients there and you were watching them. Is that, is that what's happening? Are you recruiting clients at those uh, all start events? Last year I, I did. So Cole Herdman went there from Purdue, um, just signed with the Titans, spent some time with the Lions and Ravens this year. Um, and that was great for him because he was, a, I think, either second or third most interviewed player and you know met with 21 teams while he was there. 31 of the 32 teams have been going at least the last two years when I've gone. 
Um, so great, great turnout as far as scouts go. They're very friendly there. Um, very easy access for the agents. Um, so I didn't actually have a player there this year. I just had a great experience the year before and thought, hey, there was a couple players that were there that were still on sign that I was had been talking to. You know, ended up not working out, but um, made a lot of new scouting connections without even having any guys there. And you know, just found common things to talk about and just the the easy access um, and networking is huge. It's not always easy to make, uh, I guess, friends or connections on the scouting side. So the more events you can do like that, the the more it helps out. And that's how I've met, you know, most of the scouts I know now is kind of through those that type of things. And so even if you don't have guys, it's you know, I would recommend any young agents go into as many all-star events as you can and just find something to talk about to a scout. Um, fortunately for me, playing at Miami, I know so many guys on so many NFL teams that that's an easy conversation started with most teams. They'll say, hey, how's so-and-so doing? And kind of segue, you know, into me giving them a business card or getting their contact info. And um, so that's great for me. And then, um, but yeah, great events. Uh, they do a great job. And uh, that, that'd be a huge recommendation, I could say, for, for anyone to go to. And just, uh, even if you're not an agent, but, you know, like running a podcast and or a trainer or, you know, some type of media person. And uh, it's, you know, a lot of people converge on these, uh, those events and uh, it's great networking opportunity. Do you like those smaller all-star games like the college grand showcase, the hula bowl, you know, the NFL PA bowl. Do you think that that provides more of a, a relaxed environment for you to talk to scouts and for you to talk to players rather than, you know, something as highly profiled as the senior bowl where it feels like every journalist in the world is going down mm-hmm. there. Yeah, I do. I, I think, I mean, there's pros and cons to each, obviously, being a younger agent, I think it's maybe a less intimidating atmosphere and probably less, you know, I guess big agents be, will be there. A lot of the scout, not all of them, but, you know, sometimes we'll have some some of the younger scouts going. And those are the guys trying to make connections, too, because scouts try to make connections with agents as well. Uh, so some of I, you know, I have some pretty good friends now that I talk to frequently that are scouts that I've met, you know, at the CGS and some other events just uh you know similar age guys and you know want to talk football and you know they're they have no idea you know where their career is going to take them so trying to make as many connections within the sport as possible so i think yeah it's a pretty friendly environment they do a good job of you know letting the agents you know on the track around the 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 uh, scouts and then being in the convention center you know around the interviews and there's a lot of like kind of intermingling and so that's a really open event and uh you know it's for any young agent it's I guess I don't know the best way to phrase it, but not not as intimidating or scary. Kind of going up is a pretty open environment, so they do a really good job. So, were you the youngest agent last year, or are you still the youngest agent? Last year, yeah, not anymore. So not anymore. Not anymore. No, but uh, yeah. So when I got registered, yeah, I was uh, twenty three when I took the exam and got the certification, and then quickly t- turned twenty four right after that. But yeah, twenty five and a half now, and. Um, yeah, still love it. But yeah, at that time I was the youngest on the, on the football side. And I'm, I don't know about baseball. I haven't, you know, they haven't said a statistic. I may, I got registered, um, you know, this past, uh, late summer. So, and maybe I, I'm pretty sure I'm the youngest dual one now, um, that's both, but, um, yeah, football is another batch now. So that's, can't say that anymore, but some people try to use that against you also. <laughs> so so what, what's the biggest lesson you've learned already? Uh, what's the biggest thing you've taken away so far? Like, Oh, okay. I, I, I gotta do this now or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's hard to narrow it down to one, I guess, you know, a few big things would be, 
um, I mean, I knew it was going to be tough getting into and, you know, it wasn't going to happen overnight. I think it's even tougher than I first anticipated. Um, you know, you're going to hear no 90 plus percent time more than you're going to hear yes. And, you know, if you're above like a 10 percent, then you're killing it type of deal. Um, well, that's kind of like, that's kinda like me hitting on women. I just want to throw that out there. I'm a little higher success rate than that. I don't know about you. Guys. <laughs> uh, um, connections only, you know, get your foot in the door, but it's definitely, you know, no guarantee. Um, sometimes it can go against you too. So, I mean, I've had a buddy from high school I play with that's uh, on the bills and I thought that must be a sure, sure bet. And I would assign him and didn't work out. And, you know, a handful of other guys from Miami and, um, you know, sometimes those guys see you, you know, if they knew you in high school or in the locker room in college and, you know, that's kind of how they see you versus as a businessman. So, you know, I think understanding that now, and, uh, I think maybe I was a little bit, uh, maybe too confident on some of those connections I had coming into it. I think the ones that have helped out more are the, the friends of a friend, you know, that I didn't directly know before. It's so like Cole Herman, DJ Knox, like I had a buddy from high school that played with them at Purdue and was able to put a good word in for me. So I think uh, those instances probably go a little bit further than, uh, you know, I had a couple of family friends that didn't work out and um, or family friend connections. And then, um, again, some of the former teammates I have signed, but, you know, a lot of others I didn't sign. So that's uh, only goes so far. But so I'd say those are probably the, the biggest things or biggest takeaways so far at this point that have been uh, surprising. That's actually the first, the first time I heard your name was when Duke Johnson uh, fired Uncle Luke's wife. Oh yeah, it's agent. and then you you were kind of floating around as a rumor up in Cleveland. I was like, who's who they keep talking about? They keep oh, talking really? about. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. that's how that's the first time I heard your name. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't even yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I, I played with Duke. Um, yeah, really quiet dude, but really good. I mean, one of the best athletes I've ever been around. So, yeah, I tried reaching out, but didn't didn't hear anything back. So <laughs> it happens. I, I get it. I'm not sure if he. Uh, I don't know if he did he sign with Rosenhaus or do you know who he? I have I, I have no idea. Yeah, I'd have to, I have I'd have to look it up. I could find out, but I can't remember off the top of my head. So you said you had some personal relationships with scouts now, right? Do you get? Yeah. I mean, do scouts ever text you and ask for like info on, like in the middle of the season, if someone gets yeah. hurt, do they say, "Hey, is Javante Dean ready to go? Can he do this?" Yeah, like, yeah. That- so, so I know people on every single team now. Um, you know, whether front office or different <laughs> scouts, I have some that I'm you know pretty close with, and will actually you know text frequently others it's just you know only if i really need something or if they would need something but some are you know on an actual friendly basis but yeah i mean i send names of players to scouts because again i i scout also you know I, I write down sophomores juniors even freshmen you know i don't recruit freshmen um but once a guy turns his sophomore year is when i'll sometimes start reaching out and um I guess to backtrack a little bit, and you're allowed to recruit once a guy enrolls in college. You just have to be registered in the state if there's if the state has a law. Um, but yeah, so I'll you know I'll talk about players to scouts and say what I um, say what I think about them, and you know they you know like that or appreciate it because there's so many players in a certain area. So if they get a, a lead on a guy, then they'll they'll watch them and tell me what they think. I'll tell them what uh, what I think, and I've had a. Uh, you know, scouts just, you know, send some names to me of players in an area that they think are worth me taking a look at. Uh, so that's much appreciated also. Uh, but yeah, then some will just say, Hey, like, you know, someone goes down, you know, is you know Cole ready for a workout or is he in shape? What's his weight at right now? You know, if he were to show up and we flew him in. So that happens also, but 
yeah, I mean, it's vital having those connections and, you know, I've done a good job you know, thus far, you know, kind of curating those. And, um, yeah, just the longer you're in it, obviously the more you'll get, but you know, I know people on every single team now, so that's not a worry, you know, like it was when I first stepped in into the business. So how long does that process take? You talked about Cole Herdman signed that contract with the Titans. I mean, did they call you in December and November? Like, I don't, I don't know how this, I don't know how long the process is. I mean, they don't, they don't call you up at six in the morning and sign the contract at noon. Right. I mean, like, yeah, I just, not, not like that. So yeah. So he signed a free agent deal with Baltimore, uh, handful of other teams want him to try out, but you know, we had to take the sure the sure thing. And, you know, even though it wasn't a great uh, roster depth wise, I mean, they use a lot of tight ends. So I knew he was at least going to get a lot of reps in the preseason. Um, you know, I, I knew it was going to be tough for him to make the roster there and, you know, ended up getting cut at the end of the preseason, had a really good showing too, but uh, it was some numbers thing. And uh, a few weeks went by and, you know, at that time, that's when I'm making all the calls and emails and texts trying to get him something. Then the Baltimore brought him back, I think in week two or week three. And he spent, I don't, I don't know how many weeks he was up back there for a while. And again, someone else got hurt at another position. They had to let him go and bring a different position in. And, um, you know, they, they really liked him, but again, it's in Jim Harbaugh said in an interview, you know, really good things to say about him, but, um, or John Harbaugh, but, um, yeah, it's one of those things that, um, it's a numbers game. And, uh, so yeah, then I, I can't tell you how many hundreds of emails and, you know, I don't know how many calls I made in the pursuing, it was like four to six weeks. It was back home and, you know, nothing going, Hey, we like them, but you know, maybe we'll work them out down the road. Don't have a need right now. And then suddenly I get like six calls in one day from guys I had previously reached out to and either heard a no at the time or heard nothing back from at that time. And suddenly, Hey, it's cool. Ready to go. Like, can we work them out? And, had a handful of teams aligned for him at once. And, you know, Detroit was the, the next fit for him, I thought, you know, depth-wise. And been a little bit of time there. Again, got cut and had a couple more teams interested. And eventually, you know, Tennessee wanted to fly him out and work him out and make sure, you know, his weight was good and his medicals passed. And, you know, had a way for the uh, – they wanted to offer him for, a, you know, a futures contract instead of right at the end of the season, the last week in playoffs. So, you know, they kind of assured us, hey – Whenever our playoff run is done, you know, we're going to extend the contract. We liked what we saw in, in the workout, and they were true to their word. And, you know, not every team is. Uh, I had a call from a team that was in the Super Bowl a couple of years back that said, they were, hey, let Cole know we're about to draft him. And I let Cole know and didn't end up happening. So um, they were one of the teams that wanted to work him out again. I said, hey, sorry, we got some other opportunities. <laughs> and, you know, that was, oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I didn't forget. He didn't forget. And, you know, if, if that was the only opportunity, of course you take it. But uh, you know, when you have uh, some options, you know, that's that, interesting. Yeah. So you, you, if you got a, you got a list about, let's say you got six teams, so you immediately delete that. Like, what are some other factors? <laughs> yeah. We talked about the depth chart. I mean, obviously, money's a factor. Um, just you know, what kind of lifestyle he wants, what kind of city he wants to live in. Taxes are a big thing. That's huge. He's in Tennessee now. No income tax there in nashville is an incredible city uh great depth charge situation he's going into the team is really good also um so those are pro probably the main factors you know proximity to home um he's from dc so he had an interest in the, in the redskins but they ended up not wanting to work him out um but other than that i'd say those are probably the main factors that would go into it huh that's interesting well yeah. i 
we did hit we hit that forty five minute mark. So let's. Okay, great. But but before you go, I do want to harass you a little bit because you know yeah, you, you are you are from the U and the U has struggled, right? So I got to make fun of you a little bit. What's up, Adam? And I were actually talking about before we got on the show. What's up with Tate Martell, man? What I mean, you're probably closer to the situation than we are, but is he just terrible or? What's uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think a great athlete. Um, I don't think the off. For one, the, the offensive system as a whole was terrible. So I mean, it was. I don't know. It was historically bad for our program. And, you know, they cut ties with the OC. You know, he's a spread quarterback, and they were running a pro-style offense, so it just didn't fit him. Um, you know, I don't know if anything happened behind the scenes. You know, I'm really not sure how, how good of a quarterback he is. But um, with with Brett Lashley coming in now, the new OC who came from SMU, they put up a ton of points. Obviously, D.R. King is going to be the starter this coming year. But – that's the right system for Martell. So, I mean, he's stuck around thus far. I think he'll get a fair shot at, you know, winning the number two job. And, you know, I hope, hopefully it works out for him because he, you know, he's dynamic in high school and he looked really good at Ohio state when he came in um, for spots like Rutgers. He, I I think he played a little bit more um, also, but can't quite remember, but yeah, I remember watching those highlights and I mean, he looked, like he was next in line. So, you know, I, I hold out hope that he, that he can do it, but uh, you know, he's going to be in the right system at least. So that'll, you know, he'll hopefully be the number two. And, you know, we'll see if he's really uh, the real deal or, or not kind of Gosh, in the future. You're just, you're just too nice. He might, yeah, be, potential, he might be a potential client. Ready to go in. Yeah, man, you never know. <laughs> so, so is the, is the U back? Is the U finally back? Is, is that what's going to be at the new yeah. <laughs> And the defense has been a lead. We, we just, we've been missing on offense. We got the pieces of the puzzle oh, yeah. now. Um, I think we'll they have the potential to go undefeated up until Clemson in the ACC championship. I don't think we have the depth there yet. Uh, I think it should be more competitive than the last time we played them a few years back, but we're not quite at that level. But I think with a big year, then recruiting will you know skyrocket again. And I believe in Manny Diaz. I mean, every my senior year was his first year there, and you know I saw what it was like day to day. Great guy tenacious defense turn that around uh you know I, this is his dream job he's made adaptations either to his system or the staff now since he's been a head coach every single year so he's not afraid to change he cleaned house a lot uh, on offense this year again and so you know i think he realizes you know it's kind of do or die time he's going to do whatever he can uh to win and they've i think he's won the off season so far this year so I'm holding out hope. Um, Miami has a fan base that will turn on you in an instant. So that's <laughs> how it is, man. So I'm not one of those guys, but um, you know, I'm willing to, you know, give them another year or two. And you know, I, I, I am confident that they'll, they'll turn it around. I think they got the right pieces on offense now to, you know, at least win the games they should. And then uh, even though the competitive ones, I think, you know, up until Clemson, I'm pretty confident they they should run the table. No, we'll see what happens, but the pieces are there now. So are you watch? Are you watching like D three football and NAIA football to see if there's any diamonds in the rough that you can try to? Yeah, I don't watch like games of those frequently. Now, if I hear about a player, I recruited a D three kid this year, didn't get him. Um, he's in the senior bowl, but yeah, I had a handful of calls. But so if I hear about a kid like yeah, at that level, yeah, then I'll go after. I actually am talking to a D three kid next year for next year. Um, there's one so that I actually well, I did watch the national championship game. Uh, cause I didn't have anything else to do that night, but <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but dated like week to week. Now I don't watch 
NAIAD two or D three. If there's a player I'll hear about, then I'll do my research. But I do watch a lot of FCS. Um, I got ESPN Plus, so I you know I watch Mac games and FCS and all the time. You know, I I'm kind of a film junkie, so it's it doesn't feel like work to me. So you know, I'll have the I got like a dual monitor for my laptop, and I'll split screen that and have another game going on the TV, and then record a couple more games. So yeah, I'm not just flipping back and forth. I could actually go back and watch the full game. And then any games I can find on YouTube. I mean, some schools are really good about posting full games on YouTube. Others aren't, but definitely try to, um, to do that. Cause there's no other outlet uh, for film for like an agent, you know, team NFL teams get a portal for every college game. So we don't have that. So I kind of have to improvise and watch as much live or, or recorded that I possibly can. That's, that's fascinating. Cause I was, I was thinking about, cause I, you know, I do like, scouting for Browns where it's not the same thing at all, but you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't sit there and watch fair state football, yeah. but I'll, I'll look through and I see, Oh, they went undefeated. You know, the quarterback threw for 40 touchdowns. Oh my gosh. He's six foot three and runs a four, four. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So it sounds very similar to what you do. Keep just keeping your eyes open, being aware. But yeah, that so is if fascinating. If there's like a D two D three kid I hear about, then, you know, I'll try to search through YouTube or whatever to find games. And then, you know, a lot of guys put up big stats and have size, but, you know, you can kind of just tell they're not NFL talent and, you know, right. some are you can tell. So, yeah, being able to actually watch it, you know, I think a lot of agents will just recruit based off stats and don't really know what they're looking at. So that's a just a huge thing that I have going for me and um, going forward. I mean, I think as each year goes by, it's just going to make more of a difference. You know, when I'm able to land more of the, the good talent and more experience under my belt than um, – you know, just having that, that recruiting guy is going to, you know, help even more. That's awesome. Well, I do appreciate you coming on. Adam, did you have any, yeah. anything else you wanted to ask? Uh, no, buddy. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I feel like we could have talked for another hour, so you have to yeah. come back. <laughs> Anytime you want to come back on, man, let us know. If Javante ends up back in Cleveland, yeah. we'd love to have you back on, dude. It was, it was a good time. Oh, yeah, hey, with the new staff changes, you never know, man. You um, never know. So that'd be great, great spot for him. But, yeah, I appreciate you guys' time as well. I love to be back on. I love talking football and, you know, trying to do any type of, uh, you know, podcasts and media outlets. It's something I enjoy. So, you know, I appreciate it. And, again, would love to uh, talk shop with you guys again. Well, we loved having you on. You want to tell the people where they can follow you on Twitter? Yeah. So yeah, Austin Fenniger's name. Um, A Fenny is my uh, Twitter account. So A uh, P F E N N Y. And then my uh, business account is P R G agents. Uh, yeah. Fenniger representation group. So P R G uh, is the the name or acronym. So um, yeah, I appreciate anyone listening and yeah, again, anyone else wants to talk, you know, I'm more than happy to, um, you know, talk scouting and all that. It's something I really am passionate about. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah. Signing out. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with Geico, we hired a nature show host. In the native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got Geico, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. Geico will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. Geico. Great service without all the drama.